0: What good can come out of bad? Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth.
1: The seasons of life are many. The many sorrowful and painful things that come into our lives will be used by God to build character and to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1-5 says we're justified in Christ by the work of Christ. We glory in tribulation because tribulation brings patience, patience, perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And that doesn't bring
0: shame. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said that life is what happens to you while you're making other plans. And if things aren't turning out the way you expected them to, the simple truth from Ecclesiastes 3.1 promises, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And even though much of what happens might seem random to us, Today, Pastor Xavier draws assurance from these words of King Solomon that God has a way of using the seasons of our life, both good and bad, for his ultimate purposes.
1: One of the characteristics of youth is to think that they are immortal and invincible to the realities of life. And they are prone to be overconfident and enamored with themselves as well as their own abilities. Therefore, they are unaware of just how vulnerable they really are to life's events and how they will be changed through them. It is for this very reason that the military seeks to recruit young men. Uh, The words of Oliver North are striking here. He says, It has been my experience that most healthy young men in their uh, late teens and early 20s are fairly well convinced that they are going to live forever, that they are impervious to damage, downright vulnerable. That's probably why the military has been able to convince considerable numbers of them to face the lethal terrors of combat or to throw their bodies out of perfectly good airplanes wearing little more than cloth parachutes. Yet, as time passes, the events and experiences of life bring that once young and naive person to see that life is not always under their control. But there are periods in their lives that are good and some that are bad, and these are seasons over which he or she has very little control except on how they will respond. The longer I live, the more I'm aware of how little control I have over everything around me there's really very few things we have complete control over. Solomon expresses some of the seasonal events of life that are unexplainable to the person who lives apart from God, yet they are not unknown to God. In verses 1 through 15. Let me read the passage and I'll give you the three points. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to keep, a time to love and a time to hate, a time to war and a time of peace. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given tasks with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it. That man should fear before him that which has already been, and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. Solomon says three things about these seasonal events of life. First of all, the seasons are many, verses 1 through 8. Secondly, the seasons are in view of eternity, 9 through 13. And then third, the seasons are required by God, verses 14 and 15. Let's begin with the seasons are many, verse 1 through 8. Notice first in verse 1, the overarching principle regarding the seasons of life is that to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. The word season means a set time an appointed time that remains only so long. This word appears only this one time in the book of Ecclesiastes. The word is found three other times in the Old Testament. One is found in Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah 2.6, where Nehemiah, as you know, is going to go rebuild the walls. And so the king said to me, How long will your journey be and when will you return? And so it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time so there's a, a a set amount of time is what it's talking about the other two times it is found in the book of Esther as you know in Esther is that feast of purim and it's used in the two day celebration of that feast uh, and that's in Esther 927 and 931 but it's only found this one time in the book of ecclesiastes now you also have another word there the word is time. This one means an occasion, a certain occasion or opportunity opposed to a duration of time. Solomon is saying that in life there are events that seem to come in as appointed seasons along with limited time, here's the key for opportunities. There are some things in life that will come but once. And once they're gone, they never come again. There are certain periods of time when we have an opportunity to engage in certain activities or to benefit from certain things. And if we don't jump on it, they're gone and they will never come again. This is what Solomon is declaring here. The place where this occurs, notice, is under heaven the equivalent to under the sun. This describes life on earth apart from God as we have seen consistently through the book. And so he's talking about his life experiment to all these various things that seem to give satisfaction and fulfillment according to man. And he's proving one after the other, no, no, no. Here's his next one. The very arching principle implies that God is the one who is in control of everything while, at the same time, He does not violate the free will of man. Have you ever thought about that? How is it that God is in control of everything, yet He doesn't violate man's free will? It's a mystery, which reveals three things about time and eternity and God and man. First, They are temporal, not the rule of life as a constant. As we go through these, these are not a constant. The biggest lie of Satan to your life and mine is, as you're going through a difficult time in your life, is this is the way it's going to be for the rest of your life. He's good at that, huh? You're only in a bad chapter. Don't close the book. Okay, story's not over. Remember that. Secondly, they are needful to teach you and I about life and our Creator. And then thirdly, they are of different kinds. They come in all kinds of sizes and colors. Where have we heard these three things before? You remember Peter, 1 Peter 1, 6? He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a season or a little while, if need be, you have been grieved with various trials for a little season. For a set time, if need be, necessary. Various trials, literally multicolored. <laughs> the scriptures tie together. They have one mind. Notice here, secondly, that the section is arranged in beautiful Hebrew poetry. The arrangement is of parallelism, of 14 Contrast and mutually exclusive things. The form that you find here in this poetry is what's called chiastic, uh, the intersecting of two tracks of crossing over two ideas in order to make the particular point. The second line is repeat by the first. So the first line, then it's repeated, but it's in reverse order, it's inverted. The word chiastic comes from the Greek letter chi in the Greek, x, crossing over. And this is the type of poetry particularly found here, though there are different forms in the Hebrew poetry. Uh, Let me give you an example of this. Um, Look at verse 2. The word born and the word die are contrasts, and they are paralleled by the word plant and pluck. Okay? The word born goes with plant, and the word die goes with pluck. In uh, verse 3, the word kill and the word heal are contrast, and they are paralleled by the word breakdown and build up. Kill goes with breakdown, and heal goes with build up. Okay? And it builds line upon line till it nails it at the end, and you get the message. This is Hebrew poetry. Now, Notice thirdly, the list reveals the diversity of events in life, the first being a time to be born, literally a time to birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted in verse 2. Now, both of these events are normal and experienced by all in life, birth and death. Both of these events do not occur By one's own choosing. Any of of you decide to be born? Have any of you made plans when you're going to die? You see, God knows exactly when you're going to go. Does that mean that you can just walk across the street with your eyes closed and you're not going to die if your time's not up? No, no, no. That means if you're walking with God and you're living for God, then you're going to die right on time. You're not living with God, you do something stupid, you probably go before your time. Does that mean Christians don't go before their time? Well, some probably do. (laughs) Paul tells the Corinthians, some of you are dead because you haven't glorified the Lord. So, we're talking about God's control over life and death. Notice the parallelism focuses on the cycle of life by the illustration of the seasonal time of planting and plucking up. Both of these events are not dependent on the person, they are beyond their own control. Notice. Secondly, in verse 3, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up. Both of these are necessary to maintain life. Both are painful yet with personal benefit. The one in defense of one's life at the expense of another's life. In self-defense, a choice has to be made. The other in demonstration of love to regain health. Both of these are individual decisions that are often in one's control and have to be made. The parallelism focuses on the needful actions that need to be taken in order to continue on with life. They're needful, essential. Notice thirdly in verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. They're a part of life. Both have their appropriate time. When's the last time you saw somebody laughing at a funeral? Proper place. Proper time. The time of weeping and mourning when one experiences hurt, injury, or the death of a loved one is beyond one's control, and one responds to it. The time for laughing and dancing when one is happy. And celebrating is a... Time that is in one's control. I can choose to celebrate or not. They have their place. The parallelism communicates that life consists of both sad and happy times, as well as time being an incredible gift of God to help a person recover and move on. Have you ever thought about time? Time is such an incredible gift, valuable gift. Once it's gone, it's gone. Now, you lose a dollar, you can gain it back. You lose one minute... It's gone. You never get that minute back. And we should prayerfully ask the Lord to teach us to number our days. Through time, you can reflect. Through time, you can trust God. Through time, you can be changed. Through an event that takes place and you're hurt, you're offended, you're injured, whatever it may be, and you think the life's not worth living, and with time, you glorify God for that event, and you say, thank you, Jesus. Time, valuable, precious. Both of these events are choices. Notice fourthly in verse 5. The time to cast stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. Now, both the casting of stones to clear a field and the gathering to establish boundaries and to build walls is necessary. And I believe this is the imagery here. They didn't have surveyors in those days. They just put rocks up. This is my property. And build walls. Now, both the embracing of a person and the refraining have their time and place, don't they? Have you ever seen young couples in the street? It's not time to be doing what they're doing. Nor the place. (laughs) This is kind of what it's saying. The parallelism focuses on the appropriate actions and personal responsibility in life. Both of these, man has control and is involved in the decision. So we have to make discrete decisions. Time, place, appropriateness. Notice fifth in verse six, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. Verse six, both Gaining and losing on whatever level affects all of mankind. It is part of life. Any of you win always in life so far? <laughs> Any of you just make money all your life, never lost a penny? Both are a warning against greed. The parallelism focuses on discrete choices and contentment, to pick and choose what is best through the choice of keeping some things and throwing other things away. Real practical example. You know, you go through your drawers and say, well, no, I don't want to throw these. I've had these since I was 10. And, and then five years, you're going to, I'll keep them again. And your rat packs, you know, you just got all kinds of stuff. It's just wisdom. Some things, you get rid of them, both gaining and losing at times are under one's control, and at other times, they are not. You remember the realty craze that was going on in the 70s and 80s? Boy, everybody was buying, and it's great. And we both, oh, yeah, I made $40,000, but we had no control over that. It was just the time, right? But we boasted about it. Then all of a sudden, everybody bought high. Boom. Realty fell down. Now, I don't hear anybody boasting about their losses. (laughs) They had no control over it, right? Notice, sixthly, in verse 7. A time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak. Both the tearing and sowing have to do with grief, disgrace, and dishonor, and the stability through time. The high priest tore his clothes when Jesus declared he was the Son of God. Now, God says, don't tear your clothes, tear your hearts. It can become a very religious, self-righteous, outward expression. Oh, my, spiritual. God says, don't tear your clothes, tear your heart. Both the choices to tear and to sew are necessary in life. The parallelism focuses on the wisdom of knowing the time to move on with life and not living in the past. There's a time to be silent. There's a time to speak. Very practical. The choice of sewing keeps us from living torn lives. Very important. It's choice. Today's church is into psychology. They say, well, you're a victim. There are no victims. You choose to remain a victim by living in the past. Jesus buried your past. I'm just dumb enough to believe that when you're a new creature, all things are passed away and everything becomes new. God is more than sufficient through time. To take care of those things, he does it. Notice seventhly in verse eight: a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, a time of peace. Both of these are necessary in life. Both are positive. Most of us would look at it and say, "One's well, positive love and negative hate." No, they're both positive. For the hatred of evil is commendable. It's positive. It's necessary. The parallelism focuses on the fact that without confrontation and resolution, there is no true enjoyment in relationships. You understand that? Without confrontation and solution and resolution of issues, there is no enjoyment of human relationships. For the most part, a lot of us don't like confrontation. And we think that things are just going to go away. Let me tell you, whatever problem you have with your wife or husband, it's not going to go away. Rolling over in bed is not going to make it go away by morning. You have to confront, you have to resolve, and you have to move on. And then you have proper relationships. Both of these, man has a choice at. At times he does, and then other times he has not. The Chinese character for the word crisis is made up of two words, danger and opportunity. Every opportunity that you and I have, whether it be a crisis or not, poses certain danger, and at the same time, it poses opportunity. It's all dependent on the choice you and I make. There is very little that you and I have control of in this life, but I do have full control of how I'm going to respond by the grace of God. The awareness of our death as Christians is not the same as when we were non-believers, right? We know that when we die, we're instantly present before the Lord in our new body, eternal body, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. So we understand a time to be born or to birth and a time to die. But the man that sees this under heaven, under the sun, he says, what's the use? Job was Bummed out. Joel went through all kinds of things. He says, Oh, I wish the legs that gave me birth would have shut up and, and kept me from being birthed. Oh, I wish that day that they gave the good news that a child was born, they would not have sent him. So Christians can go through this junk, right? When their mind's not on Christ. We're not beyond this. Because without Christ, this world's pretty miserable. The many sorrowful and painful things that come into our lives will be used by God to build character and to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says we're justified in Christ, by the work of Christ, and that uh, that we glory in tribulation because tribulation brings patience, patience, perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And that does not bring shame. Romans 1, uh, 12, 1 and 2, uh, we're being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ to prove that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Over and over again. So, we present our body a living sacrifice. We don't fashion to the world system. That's what we used to do. We don't do that any longer. Now, are you still being fashioned to the world system? Do you have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ? It's a miserable place. The seasons of life are many.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese issuing the challenge to turn life's crises into opportunities of transformation of our lives into the image of Jesus Christ. And we've been listening to a challenging message in our series of Ecclesiastes titled The Seasons of Life. And there's much more to come next time. But if you'd like to receive a copy for more in-depth personal study at your own pace, we can provide that on CD when you get in touch. We just ask that you send along $4 to help cover the costs. The title once again is The Seasons of Life. You can request your copy by writing... 91107 And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station however you get in touch. This is helpful information as we monitor the impact of our radio ministry. No matter what the seasons of our life bring, Pastor Xavier Reese says we can take comfort in knowing that God knows the end from the beginning. Hope you'll be back next time for more Simple Truths.